0: Good afternoon, everyone. Welcome to the Sunday, August 4th episode of Poets and Muses. We chat with poets about their inspirations. I'm your host, Imogen Rate. You can follow us on our website at poetsandmuses.com or on our social media via SoundCloud, Instagram, as well as Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter, either at the bottom of our website at poetsandmuses.com or at the upper right-hand side of our Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. With me today is Malia Smith. We will be discussing her poem, Fair Weather Friend, and my poem, Need to Seem Happy. Before we do that, however, I'm going to go over all the poetry events taking place in the Valley during the week of August 5th. On Tuesday, August 6th, from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m., Saretta Morgan will be leading the third of her four-part Built Environments, the Craft of Formal Innovation workshop at Piper Writer House, which is at 450 East Tyler Mall in Tempe. From 6 to 8 p.m., Connect and Heal will be hosting its weekly poetry writing workshop at the Chandler Community Center at 125 East Commonwealth Avenue in Chandler. From 7 to 9 p.m., All My Years and Film Bar Phoenix will be hosting their monthly Phoenix Poetry Orchestra featuring Rosemary Dombrowski, taking place at the Film Bar at 815 North 2nd Street in Phoenix. On Wednesday, August 7th from 7 to 9 p.m., Lacuna Bar will be hosting its weekly open mic night on-site at 831 North 3rd Street in Phoenix. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7 p.m. On Thursday, August 8th from 7 to 9 p.m., Long Nung Publishing will be hosting its weekly Phoenix Poetry Slam at The Lost Leaf, which is at 914 North 5th Street in Phoenix make sure to get there by 6th to participate. From 8 to 11 p.m., Quinton Oney will be hosting his weekly open mic at Jobot Coffee and Bar, which is at 333 East Roosevelt Street in Phoenix. On Friday, August 9th, from 7 to 9 p.m., Cultivate Coffee will be hosting the first of its monthly open mics at 505 West Dunlap Avenue, Suite E in Phoenix, Signing up starts at 6 30. From 8 to 11 p.m., Latoski and Speaking Into Existence will be hosting his monthly Smoke It Into Existence open mic at Just Blaze Smoke Shop at 1001 East Camelback Road in Phoenix. On Saturday, August 10th, from 6 30 to 10 p.m., Sozo Coffee House will be hosting its open mic night at 1982 North Elma School Road in Chandler. From 7 to 9 p.m., Tamika Sanders or Dr. T will be hosting her bi-monthly open mic night, this time featuring one of our previous poet guests, Sean Avery, at Aroma Mocha Coffee, which is at 506 East Western Avenue, Suite 103 in Avondale. Signing up to get on the mic starts at 7 p.m. On Sunday, August 11th from 1.30 to 2.30pm, Connect and Heal will be hosting their monthly poetry workshop at the Chandler Public Library, which is at 22 South Delaware Street in Chandler. Following that, you can go with Connect and Heal to Improv Mania to participate in their monthly open mic, which takes place from 3 to 5pm at 250 South Arizona Avenue in Chandler. From 6 to 9 p.m., Infuse Open Mic will be taking place at the Phoenix Center for the Arts at 1202 North 3rd Street in Phoenix. Signing up to go on the mic starts at 5.30. From 6 to 10 p.m., I Am Root will be hosting rooted Sessions, an ensemble event, including one of our previous poet guests, Jay Tatum. This will take place at the Rebel Lounge at 2303 East Indian School Road in Phoenix. If you're interested in knowing all the poetry events taking place within the state of Arizona, you can sign up for the Arizona State Poetry Society's newsletter at azpoetryorg at gmail.com. Now let us turn to our Poet Guest of the Week, Malia Smith. Hi, Malia. Very nice to have you on Poets and Mises. Hi,
1: thank you for having me. Of
0: course. Would you like to tell us a little bit
1: about yourself? Yeah, I am originally from southern Arizona. grew up there, born and raised from Sierra Vista, Arizona, a small town, and I decided to go to Flagstaff. Arizona for college. I went to NAU there. So went from a, a super small town to a, a little bit bigger small town. <laughs> went there for four years, graduated, and then moved to the Phoenix area. This will be my third year here. Great, great.
0: You have mentioned that somebody very famous had stolen your name from you. Tell us that story, that <laughs> controversial <yeah>. story.
1: <laughs> Our great and esteemed president uh president obama <laughs> his daughter his oldest daughter's name is malia and i always joke whenever i'm introducing myself to somebody new they always think that my name is either maria or Malia, and mm-hmm. i'll just say no it's it's malia like Malia obama and they're like oh okay and i'm like yeah but you know i'm older so <laughs> she stole my name that that's how i'm gonna <laughs> i'm gonna do that <laughs>
0: And you were explaining to me the sort of etymology of your name a little bit. Do you mind sharing that? Yeah, yeah.
1: So (laughs) everyone, once they understand that my name is Malia, they always usually follow up with, oh, it's so pretty, it's so unique, it's so different. I'm Japanese and Hawaiian, and Malia is Hawaiian, and it it literally translates to English as Mary. And in Spanish, it translates to Maria. Mm -hmm. So in Hawaiian culture, Malia is a very basic name. Mm. but I only know one right now, so
0: so.
1: (laughs) I'll be the first. Yeah, thank you,
0: and you said you teach high
1: school, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, so I work over in Scottsdale. I'm the athletic director, and I teach 12th grade biology. And
0: That's how you know TJ.
1: Actually, I know TJ because of dodgeball. We both play. Oh, wow. We both play dodgeball together, and I met him about two years ago, Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah.
0: That explains some arm muscles.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's very he was, solid. Yes. Yeah. He was actually my captain when I first started, and he's the one that taught me how to play and got me to sign up for the league and keep coming back. Okay. So yeah. Wow. And like I said, that's, that was uh, two years ago, and I'm still playing.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Well, okay. Cool. We're
0: tangentially digging up dirt about TJ. <laughs> uh, <laughs> For those who don't know, TJ was the host of Infuse Open Mic, which takes place every second Sunday of the month at the Phoenix Center for the Arts. Ah, uh, there we go. Yes. Yeah. 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 Unfortunately for us, he's going to be leaving us and going back to New York. Boo. Boo. So. Yeah, I'm not very happy about that. No. <laughs> not many people are. Anyway, we wish him well. Let's get back to you and your poem, which you brought with you to us. And the name of the poem is Fair Weather Friends. Would you like to read that for us?
1: Sure. Just a little preface. I wrote this intentionally to be performed, so a lot of it is is body language, and I'll try to convey that as much as possible. Okay. Um, Great. What a beautiful place I have forged, my dear fair weather friend. Sunlight and abundance, a cool calming breeze, and the expanse of the heavens always within reach. Paradise is before us. Mm Mm-hmm. I hum in agreement. Such is paradise indeed. Clear waters, warm sand, shade, shelter, sustenance, and oh look, there's even a place to hang my shades. How cute. Stay. Here? Forever, I say? (laughs) I can't. I would lose myself. Unperturbed, undeterred, unconcerned. She laughs. laughs. There is nothing to be lost here. Ever sweet is the prolific fruit, ever flowing are the wines of the earth, lavishly, palatially, and ostentatiously we would be. Sparseness and scarcity do not dwell here. Oh, but doesn't it, my dear fair-weather friend? Tell me. Where are the clouds that texturize my soul, the turbulent storms that cleanse me of my perfectionism, the unruly heat that tests my growing patience, and the unforgiving winters that define my humanity? No. See? There is much to be desired here. A crinkle in her nose lets me know of her frustrating confusion bubbling within her. What an inconvenience. Only troubled souls crave such chaos perhaps, if you deem it so. But to me, the only thing clearer than this horizonless sky is that I will not build a permanent fixture here. A vacation home at best, but your paradise is hollow to me. I do not belong here. Fine, she spits. Well, I do not wish to associate with crazy anyhow. With her eyes no longer reflecting the sunrise, a crack in the firmament ran deep like my second name. My purpose shifted in my third eye. Oh, come now, my love, such defensiveness is unbecoming of you. Besides, can't we agree to disagree? Because after all, to each their own is beautiful, don't you see, my dear fair weather friend? Stop calling me by such titles, she snides. You are no fair-weather friend of mine. All you bring are storms to my calming sea. <laughs> I'm flattered by your accusation, but I hold no such power. Life wields that responsibility and unleashes it on its own accord, but that is not the topic at hand. I call you my fair-weather friend because that is exactly what you are, a fair-weather friend. A dear one, in fact, but one who is blinded by her own blindness and simply cannot see the troubles that await her here. But Perhaps you are correct after all. "'You may have been my fair-weather friend, but I was not yours. "'See, I welcome the storms. "'I am one who remains in inclement circumstances "'because another's troubles hold no such bearing to me. "'But all is fine. All is okay. "'My pride does not call for another under my wing anyway. "'If you'd prefer for me to allow you to drown in your seemingly calm sea— and I wish you the best life possible at the bottom of this expansive ocean, truly. And don't worry, I'll be sure to send more fair-weather friends your way. Now that I'm gone, you'll appreciate the company.
0: Great. Thank you very much for reading that. I remember the first time you read it, which was act mm-hmm. infused you had prefaced it by saying that there was a story behind it, but you didn't really give us a story. I didn't, I didn't.
1: I actually wrote this fairly recently. It was during a time in my life, a transition period, I'd say, where Mm -hmm. I had just gotten out of a year relationship and I was within that period of the breakup stage where I was experiencing a lot of feelings, a lot of emotions, and Mm -hmm. a lot of abstract thought. And uh, whenever I feel that type of turmoil, I try to write it down and the way that I express my abstract thoughts just so happens to come out in like a poem type manner Mm -hmm. (laughs) and so that one just kind of flowed out of me one morning when I was getting ready for work I suppose the story behind it's just me reflecting on this past year and uh, we were friends for the year prior to that as well so Mm -hmm. it was me reflecting on the last two years of Mm -hmm. this interaction with her from acquaintances to friends to small period of good friends and then we started dating and I had known from the beginning of our friendship that we were just two very very similar people Mm -hmm. but drastically different in all the areas that counted Mm. I just didn't know how to put my finger on it how to articulate it during that time but now that I've been separated from her it's very clear to me that we just have different ways of communicating Mm -hmm. different ideas and ideals of what a relationship and what true connection is. Mm -hmm. Neither one of us is right or wrong. It's just a a difference in preference. But it ended up bringing out the worst in both of us because we just couldn't connect in all the areas that mattered mm-hmm. it's really
0: tough right because especially when you're in a relationship with whom you feel like you share a in common, but mm-hmm. then you just have different ways of handling things mm-hmm. she sounds like somebody who is more conflict
1: avoidant yes it was very much like we had very different ideas on how to approach certain things in the beginning of any relationship it's honeymoon stage right. and that's always great and wonderful but then When you start reaching a certain point where you have to talk about hard things, you have to go through some turbulent times, we had very different ideas on how to handle that. Mm -hmm. Um, And what put an extra strain on that was the fact that uh, two, three months into our relationship, she moved. Yeah, Yeah, she moved to California. So it's not that far, Mm -hmm. but just Mm -hmm. far enough where... Right. I couldn't visit every weekend or, or see her as often as, as we were before, and uh, mm-hmm. that put an extra strain on things, communicating through FaceTime and text messages and calls and all these different modes was, was great, but at the same time, that communication is, is key, and mm-hmm. the fact that we just yeah. weren't seeing eye to eye on certain things, it was really the downfall of the relationship.
0: Yeah, yeah. I wasn't sure if this took place, and especially since you told me that you were part of Hawaiian, I wasn't sure if it was in Hawaii or California, but, yeah, you know, somewhere yeah. that had
1: waters. She's definitely a California girl, and I picked that type of scenery for a specific reason because of the fact that, you know, she moved to California. She's mm. definitely a beach type of person, but I'm not. And I know that <laughs> it kind of goes against my ethnicity, <laughs> And my whole vibe here, because everyone just kind of associates me with Waves and Lilo and Stitch and Moana and all that, <laughs> that stuff. But truly, I'm not that big of a paradise person. Mm. I go back to Hawaii all the time because I have family there, but mm. I always tell everyone I would hate to live there. Mm. I would hate to live in California. I would hate to live anywhere where there's paradise associated with it. It's not right. a paradise to me. I'm very much... The opposite of that. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I picked that type of scenery for the poem because although it seems paradise to a lot of people and to her, mm-hmm. to me it's very surface level. Mm-hmm. And that was the big overarching theme in our communication styles, in her communication style. It's very surface level to me mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and to her and whomever she decides to date next or settle down with in the future, you know, it may work for her. Right. But for me, I need something more, something deeper, a little bit mm-hmm. richer
0: mm-hmm. In, mm-hmm.
1: in a communication style and in a way of connecting with someone.
0: Right, right. I remember being in a class, I forget if it was one of those conflict resolution classes, but I remember the professor was saying, because we were all separated into working groups, he said that the way until you have your first argument, it will actually bring you closer
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
0: And your poem reminded me of it because, and what you just said reminded me of it because it's not about acquaintanceship, right? Acquaintanceship yeah. is all very nice, and you can kind of, if you hate somebody, you can avoid them, and you can still say good morning, whatever. Yeah. All the niceties are still there, but it doesn't really scratch the surface, as you said, mm-hmm. and it doesn't get down to the almost the negotiation stage where yeah. you're saying, okay, this is my style, this is your style, how do we? compromise so that we each get a little bit of what we
1: want and we don't feel like we're
0: losing out exactly
1: yeah you know it's easy to like somebody and love someone when they're Mm -hmm. doing what you want them to do right and then when they start being their own person Mm -hmm. that's where the work comes into accepting them as they are right and
0: not only accepting them as they
1: are but accepting yourself as as you are yeah in your stage of life because you know we're constantly transforming and growing and sometimes regressing and sometimes we take ten steps forward and three steps back. You know, It's it's ever changing. That's the real challenge in a relationship is being able to love that person no matter how they show up.
0: Right, right. It depends on how quickly we get to know someone, let's Mm -hmm. say many months, Mm -hmm. even the first few years. Is when you really get to know who that person that you think you like really is, Mm -hmm. especially if you begin to live with that person. Mm -hmm. Then all the little (laughs) habits show up. All the little things come out. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Because when you're around the person, not so much 24/7, but nearly, right? Mm -hmm. Then. A lot of things that they can maybe hide for a few hours, they can't. Or mm-hmm. things that inadvertently just pop out. Yeah, <laughs> little
1: idiosyncrasies start coming yeah. on. And the yeah. small things about their behavior or their personality. Small ticks that you, mm-hmm. you never mm-hmm. noticed before. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: That's when you actually get to decide, is this somebody that I love? Or mm-hmm. is this something that just drives me crazy? Like chewing on tinfoil.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it really comes down to, are you willing to put in the work, not only into the relationship, but into yourself? Because a judgment on another person is really just a reflection of what you feel insecure about in Mm. yourself. Mm. So if they have a certain behavior pattern that gets on your every last nerve, Mm. it's typically something that you would hate to have in yourself. And so at that point, it's like, can you accept that you are human, you are prone to whatever behavior mm-hmm. you're focusing on, and that they're human, and that they're allowed to exhibit that behavior, minus the abusive and <laughs> those types of negative, destructive behaviors.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. so
1: that's where a lot of people drop off of relationships. They, they don't understand that it's really working on yourself instead of changing the other person or molding the other person to be... How you want them to be twenty four seven. Sometimes the other person is gonna show up in a way that you don't particularly like and you don't have to subject yourself to be around that type of behavior all right. the time, but you right. still choose to love them through that and just say, like, hey, you're showing up in a way that I don't particularly like right now. Mm. I love you, but I think we need some space.
0: Right.
1: You figure out your thing and come back when when you got it all set and then we can have a good time together.
0: Right. Yeah. right. I think it's really difficult even if we work on ourselves it doesn't necessarily work out you know because Mm -hmm. no matter what the other person is another
1: person oh yeah definitely and sometimes you're just not in the same stage of life or Mm -hmm. your your journeys just have come to an end
0: Yeah, yeah, very different from just this conversation. I can understand why people might think you're also from California.
1: There's a lot of of philosophy,
0: almost like Zen quality to to what you're saying. It's kind of understandable. At the same time, I also find I don't know if it's particular to California or to certain parts of California. Certain philosophies like this. Oh, you need to be happy. You always need mm-hmm. to be on a certain level, like this conflict avoidance. This yeah, yeah. Let not anything
1: ugly come out. Yeah, you know. I think it's it's really hard to. I don't want to just single out like my generation because I feel like human beings have struggled with this throughout history. But mm-hmm. I've noticed a lot in millennials and the generation below us. Was that Gen Z? Um, Something like that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: there was a chart I saw recently, but I forgot.
1: <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm going to say millennials and Gen Zers. That we have this delusional idea on what finding a perfect relationship is like. Mm. And that if you find the one, it's the one where you barely argue or you're always happy. and You're always on the same wavelength and always accepting of each other. I think that that can happen and that does happen. But what they don't realize rarity, is that... Though. Well, what they don't realize is that that doesn't just happen naturally. We have to work on it. Right. I find that sometimes if you do have those relationships where you, you're seemingly happy all the time and everything's good and smooth sailing, to me, that's so bland. That's so <laughs> that's so surface level. Because in that part of my poem, you know, where I talk about the the turbulent storms and the harsh winters and everything else that the world has to offer, like we're not put on this planet to just experience happiness and joy right what makes right. us human is the fact that we have the entire spectrum to experience mm-hmm. and if we're on one side or the other too often that's such a bland way of living you know, mm-hmm. but you're missing the point <laughs> yeah yeah it's about finding the right balance for you and also for you as a couple or Mm-hmm. A friendship unit, whatever it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad that you brought that up. Like, this doesn't just apply to romantic relationships, oh, yeah. it's with any type of connection that you have with somebody, whether it be a friendship or a partnership or coworkers even with yeah. your, your parents, your siblings. Oh, yeah, We're you. all mm-hmm. unique, different human beings but we're all trying to live in the same space together and yeah it's all about acceptance acceptance yeah. of yourself and other people And do you have that capacity within you to be compassionate and empathetic and forgiving mm-hmm. forgiveness is a big thing yeah like <laughs> yeah, and those are not skills that we're naturally, instinctually born to do a lot of the mm-hmm. times. like that's, that's something that you have to cultivate and constantly work on. Right. right. Um, I think it's unfortunate that we don't place more importance on that.
0: Right. I had some specific questions about your poem. So you were talking about the different weather patterns. I don't really know Arizona very well. I, I do know that certain parts of Arizona actually get a lot more weather than Phoenix. Yes, <laughs> yeah. That so is true. when I first heard the poem, I thought maybe you were from elsewhere, but then you tell me you're from Arizona, it's more southerly.
1: Yeah. So um, I, I went to school in Flagstaff. I uh, don't have you made your way up there?
0: No, I haven't. I oh. heard it's like
1: ten degrees colder. Uh, a lot more than that. Yeah. Depending on the time of year. It actually snows up there. Right. Um, yeah, yeah. I remember Flagstaff. there were some storm really terrible storms yeah. actually this yeah. winter. Blackstaff, if you go up there, it's like its own world, honestly, mm-hmm. because it's on the edge of the largest pine tree forest in the part of the United States. Okay. Something like that. But when you're making the drive up there, it's desert, 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 and then all of a sudden you hit this wall of pine trees, and then suddenly you're wow. just in the deep forest. And okay. You know, the temperature drops. Like I said, it snows there. Mm-hmm. You're right. Like In the summers, it's typically like 10, 15 degrees cooler than Phoenix, or right. maybe even more. Right. It's a very liberal free-flowing hippie town I'd say you know um, yeah. NAU campus in particular is very very open and liberal and diverse and that's really where I started the journey to finding finding myself sounds so cliche I guess just <laughs> understanding that the world is bigger than what I had previously thought of us, right. and it was right I just opened myself up to so many different things and mm-hmm. I'm so grateful for that experience. Yeah. <laughs> So that's, that's probably where, the where yeah. Came from. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. okay. Cool. And that's what I mainly identify with—that foresty type hippie. Free flowing okay. place like i i think i would love living in washington state or, right. or oregon, oregon somewhere yeah, in, the, that. in the pacific northwest oh yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's probably where i'd go yeah a lot more greenery just get lost like just get a cabin in the middle of the forest and that's where i'll chill that's mm. my paradise mm. cool <laughs> yeah so very different from the the right. beach and the sun right but would you yeah. want to stay in there though because it's also a paradise right it's not no not sure. that paradise that yeah. you wouldn't stay in but would you stay yeah. in this paradise that is true you have, no, and like i said earlier where people are just like oh you go to hawaii a lot do you ever want to live there or stay there it's like no why would you ever want to live in paradise In mm-hmm. whatever your paradise is because then life is gonna hit you it's gonna catch up you know mm-hmm. and then it's, suddenly it's not paradise anymore so right, right. paradise is meant to be visited not a permanent dwelling
0: Right, right, and
1: that's also in my poem too, where
0: yeah,
1: I feel that a lot of people want to stay in that paradise and stay in that zone, but yeah, you're missing yeah. the the point of the human experience. You mm-hmm. can't stay there; yeah. it's detrimental. I feel like it can definitely stunt somebody's growth, mm-hmm. and I feel like that's our purpose here. You know, yeah. in a general sense, we're all here to understand and live out our highest, truest purpose. Mm -hmm. of ourselves you can't get there if you are one who wants to stay in that paradise place Mm -hmm. and then if you are somehow thrown into the non-paradise places Mm -hmm. you look at it as like horrible experiences or you're not learning from it
0: right right again it's it's a very narrow band in which you can really move around. Mm -hmm. It's almost like walking on a tightrope, right? You kind of just have to stay in that.
1: Um, Yeah, and I feel like you're actually setting yourself up for more misery and suffering Mm -hmm. and all the things that you're trying to avoid because Mm -hmm. you're going to come across people and relationships and situations that are going to throw you off of that tightrope as Mm -hmm. you're not going to be in that paradise anymore. They'll bring storm clouds. They'll bring inclement weather, Mm -hmm. and you won't be equipped To handle that yeah Mm -hmm. and you'll probably suffer more than somebody who has weathered the storms and knows how to navigate that right Um, right there's no real resilience yeah Mm -hmm. resiliency there you go yeah you don't build that so that's actually more detrimental
0: yeah Mm -hmm. when you first read the poem i remember thinking oh this could be a relationship thing but it could also be about how people who's had a lot that their families offer them who's succeeded because they've had a very steady base who's looked at other people who had to struggle and not understand why or try to blame other people who have struggled and who have worked just as hard maybe but not have succeeded to the same level they have because they had a different base from these people who's had parents who are not necessarily super well to do but enough that they didn't have to worry about things like keeping warm having a good bed, having supportive parents, having a home that you know you're not going to lose, having people who accept you
1: Mm -hmm. that's very insightful and actually very spot on that is another layer to the poem and to my personal experiences as well we came from very different lives and we had very different experiences Mm -hmm. and again life is what you make it of course so you don't have to go through all of these hard times in order to be in a compassionate, empathetic, understanding mm-hmm, person. Sure. That's not a prerequisite, but I feel like that happens more often than not. <laughs> it helps. <laughs> it does help.
0: I think there's, well, at least two components, or two major components. Mm-hmm. One is your level of compassion and empathy. The other one is your level of experience. Mm-hmm. So, one can mm-hmm. compensate for the other. It really just depends on what you innately have and what you encounter in your life. Mm-hmm. And I find, again, a lot of these people who have had these little things that they don't have to think about when they succeed they think of the success as their own success Mm -hmm. rather than having had help that they didn't have to claw to get that Mm -hmm. help Mm -hmm. so that they don't really understand they have this sort of self-congratulatory outlook on life where they're thinking oh i did all of this by myself
1: yeah you know no yeah it's it's a very selfish way to to kind of look at your experience and then other people's experiences and really like if we're going to get deep into that psychology of it it's really just based out of that fear and compensation <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah I think that's a really good layer to bring up and and that's very insightful
0: yeah I thought that was in your poem as well you can definitely read it in different
1: ways oh yeah 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 it's one of the reasons why I love poetry in general. You know, yeah. everybody has their own experiences, and so they'll they'll listen or they'll they'll see with their own lens and yeah,
0: yeah, you know,
1: apply it to their own life. You know, my experience could be very similar to somebody else's, and it speaks to them. And to another person, it could be a completely different message than what I intended, but right. it still applies. And right. it's like, well, go for it, man. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Once the art is out there, it
0: takes on a life of its
1: own. Yeah, right. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. I love that. And I meant to ask
0: you before, how did you come to write poetry?
1: Um, (laughs) I definitely wouldn't define myself as a poet by any means or an artist. (laughs) Like I said before, I've always turned to writing whenever I feel I have very, turbulent emotions or abstract ideas and thoughts and mm-hmm. feelings mm-hmm. and it just so happens to come out in the form of a poem or a novel or a story it comes out in a very artistic way right, right. <laughs> um that's not my intention at all but when I read it back I'm like oh if I tweak this and move this around and mm-hmm. change the wording here then this is actually a pretty decent poem <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> or, or piece of art or very insightful and oh did did i write that (laughs) damn okay
0: (laughs) so another side of yourself because you're an athletic director in your work life while you also teach biology Biology, yeah so Mm -hmm. science sports and then you do art you do write in art so you you cover quite a few (laughs) bases
1: yeah, yeah. That was actually something that I was talking to one of my friends about earlier today where from a very young age I had identified myself as an athlete and a very specific person where I'm just, I'm an athlete, I'm I'm a jock, I'm this person. Mm-hmm. And I categorized myself very yeah. young and when I realized that I'm actually very musically inclined, I mm-hmm. can paint, I can draw, I can write poetry and, and stories and I have an affinity to that. Um, nice. I'm drawn to those things. I never allowed myself as a child and as a a teenager to really explore that because I was like no 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 I, I'm an athlete so uh, <laughs> and athletes don't do this yeah people. well I was just yeah it was very very ignorant and very subconscious as well mm-hmm. it's not like I sat down and I was like no I'm not gonna be an artist I'm not gonna let this flourish and right. it was just like okay it's a Saturday afternoon and I have nothing to do I could either sit and read or write or draw or work on this skill no, I'm going to go out and play basketball. Or no, I'm going to go out on my my mountain bike and go do all this stuff. Right, right, right. That's just what I ended up doing. But like I said, going to NAU really pushed me to expand myself and work Mm -hmm. on those skills. I took a lot of different classes that I never thought I would take. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like I said, it pushed me to explore those sides of myself that I never wanted to consciously acknowledge before. Mm -hmm. And I'm so glad that I did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm kind of grateful for my bachelor's experience as well, where
0: Mm. I was thinking, oh, I just want to take my major, and that's it. Leave me alone with the other requirements. And I was happy that I was forced to take the requirement classes where it opened up my eyes to other aspects of life.
1: Yeah, yeah. I took a couple different classes that I, (laughs) I value the experience so much, but it was one of those where the lessons from that didn't really click until after mm. after the class mm-hmm. ended right. and I was very resistant to what it was trying to get me to do. Mm. I feel like this happens to anybody who has any level of ignorance or insecurity or fragile ego. Mm. Um, they take these classes that mm-hmm. uh, push their buttons a little bit mm-hmm. and then they become defensive and then just like oh yeah i don't like this i'm going to make this difficult i was very much that person i took <laughs> i took women and gender studies i took religious studies and i took sociology all in the same semester mm. and i hated my life at that point because I was just like oh I'm taking these dumb classes they're spewing some left liberal crap and you know <laughs> I was so ignorant I acted out in class I'm not so much like a class clown but I would argue I was one of those students that right, right. the teacher would be lecturing and I would have my hand up and just just wanted to start an argument just wanted <laughs> my ego was running rampant my insecurities were just way out there
0: so they really challenge your worldview, then oh yeah
1: especially you know coming from a very small town very conservative and my family background is police, military. So it's a very specific view of the worlds and view of mm. people. Mm-hmm. And my family struggles a lot with depression and bipolar and mm. um, a lot of things. So I didn't come up in the most positive, family-friendly mm. environment. And so I had a very negative outlook on the world, on people, on my future, which means that I had a very negative outlook on myself. That's really mm. what it came down to. Mm. I was very judgmental, and like I said, when you're judging somebody else, all you're really doing is projecting your own fears onto mm. onto them. So it manifested itself into my what 20, 19, 20 year old self sitting in those mm. classes. And after the classes were done, I sat and reflected, and I was just like, you know what? Maybe they had something there. <laughs> Maybe that was that was right. And it just clicked. Mm -hmm. slowly but it it ended up clicking and I actually emailed my sociology professor because she was the one that I gave the hardest time to (laughs) Um, I emailed her like two years later after Mm -hmm. taking her class Mm -hmm. and I was like you probably don't remember me and if you do then that's really bad because you remember me for (laughs) for not not being an outstanding student that's for sure you remember me for speaking out and talking back and barely passing your class (laughs) but I just wanted to reach out and say that I'm sorry and thank you so much for helping open my eyes, and I'm sorry that it took so long, and it was such a painful, (laughs) unnecessarily painful route, but you helped change my life. And and I'm going to do everything I can to keep growing in this direction and Mm -hmm. and expanding myself as a person. Mm -hmm. And yeah, yeah, it's actually coming full circle. And it's so interesting how life works like that, because next school year, I actually got approved to teach another biology course, but I'm also teaching an emotional, social and mental health course to the middle school age fifth through seventh grade so yeah I'm very fortunate for that and I'm teaching things to kids when I was their age I would have been like what the hell is this teacher talking about (laughs) she's she must be on something else like she's she's a hippie like through this (laughs) So, hopefully, I'll be able to to reach them like my professors did. At some point. Good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At some point, you'll get that letter. Yeah, who knows? (laughs) Yeah, that email. Hey, I'm sorry for being a dick. (laughs) Yeah. Did she get back to you, your sociology? She did. I wish I could remember exactly what she said, but all I remember is just crying. I read it, and it was super short, sweet, Mm. basically just saying, like, oh, yeah, you were a pretty horrible student, (laughs) but I'm glad that something stuck with you and resonated within you. Uh, I just cried. It was just,
0: yeah. Well, that must (laughs) have been satisfying for her to
1: get as well. Yeah, I'm hoping so. That was the intent. It's just saying, like, hey, don't let these stupid, ignorant kids (laughs) (laughs) deter you from your passion, because she was a very passionate, very intelligent person Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I felt bad reflecting on it later Mm -hmm. I don't want to add to somebody's experience like that to be that person that deters them from following their passion and Mm -hmm, doing mm -hmm. what they're what they're meant to do so I don't want to make that experience harder for somebody But you know, you live and you learn, right? Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and then you try to make up for it along the way. <laughs> yeah, I think it's very
0: thoughtful of you to have gone back to then just take your experience and say, well, hey, I learned something. That's it. I'm going to go on, and yeah. that you bother to write back and you realize your impact, the negativity it might have been on someone, mm-hmm. and to go back and try to right the wrong, mm-hmm. which is really good of you. Because a lot of people don't necessarily get to that point.
1: Yeah, I recognized very early on that I'm very sensitive to other people and or their behaviors towards me. I'm very sensitive to, to others. Mm-hmm. And so it took me a little bit, <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. but
1: I realized oh, if I can't be the only one. Mm -hmm. And so if I'm affected so much by other people's behavior towards me, I want to make sure that whatever I'm putting out to other people is pure and good and has good intentions and loving and compassionate Mm -hmm. and things that I would want to receive. It's really just going back to the roots of what we're taught when we're younger, like the golden rule. Mm -hmm. Do unto others that you want done onto you? Yeah. I think we kind of forget that as we grow older.
0: And yeah, I don't
1: understand the impact that we have on other people. Yeah, and we sort of forget
0: the second part. Yeah, yeah.
1: I want to make sure that my interactions with people are always, if they're not good, then at least neutral. <laughs> right. <laughs> I never want to be a part of someone's negative experience. Right. So, right, right. well, we try, right? We try. Yeah. Part of it is how other people take how we're acting. Oh yeah, them. and you know I can't account for how people are mm-hmm. gonna perceive my actions, but if I live by my own standards, yeah, then it's like okay at least I have a a good baseline there yeah well it's very very (laughs) considerate it really is a lot of people don't trust me you know it takes uh, a lot of work because again it goes back to that concept of accepting yourself mm -hmm. and accepting that you have flaws and you have moments where you're not showing up as your best self and that's Mm -hmm. that's okay you have to continuously forgive yourself it makes it easier to forgive others Mm -hmm. for being who they are Mm -hmm. yeah so yeah I'm not taking it personal. Yeah, 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 but
0: a lot of people don't get to that point or get to that point very, very late in life. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think you're ahead of the game. <laughs> uh, Try <trying> to be.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, I also picked a poem that's very similar to yours that talks about kind of this fair weatherness. It's beautiful, welcome. by the way. Thank you yeah. so much. I really appreciate that. So, I'm going to read that now. It's called mm-hmm. Need to Seem Happy. She told me her friends left, fearing contagion from her misery, that when her pretense of happiness became real successes, they came again calling. I stayed quiet through the morality tale, not wanting to burst that bubble-wrapped delusion. Sure, she would realize on her own one day that those friendships were fair-weathered. Perhaps it's a reflection of this land's fair weather that fuels so much need for pretension, forgetting that it sits on fault lines and continental divides, fires flaming larger at regular intervals, waves hungrily lapping at disappearing coastlines, and the floods and the mudslides ever threatening. Maybe the delusions are just a mechanism for coping, focusing on the darkening bright side just to continue on living. It may be worthwhile to remember, though, that this rich black earth so productive is the offspring of millennia of destructive churning.
1: It's beautiful. I love that. (laughs) Thank you. I love that a lot. I think that really goes back to the theme of what we've been talking about. At the end of the day, people just want that connection, want to feel Mm -hmm. like they're heard they're understood and validated on some level by whoever they're interacting with your poem spoke to me in that this person she feels like she's finally accepted by these people once she becomes happy and she's living in that paradise place and she's mm-hmm. exuding that paradise mm-hmm. and that something must be wrong with her when she is experiencing like the other aspects of life and that's unfortunate that a lot of people go through that experience where they feel like if they're experiencing any type of negative emotion or having a bad day even or just going through rough patch in their life Mm. that something's wrong with them and that they feel ostracized because other people aren't willing to accept
0: where where they
1: are in life right right now the thing is we are all really busy in life
0: and it's very difficult to get into a relationship any kind of relationship this is about friendship of course Mm -hmm. but any kind of relationship where in the beginning, it's all nice and easy, and then suddenly you have to put in more work and more work. And so I kind of understand her friend's point of view of, oh my gosh, she's in this... There's in always this... something wrong with you. Yeah, and there's yeah always something. exactly, exactly. For sure. But then again, just looking back at the last 10 years, for instance, the economy being the way that it was, it kind of dragged... A lot of people's life down and for a long time too. Mm-hmm. So she was having a hard time finding something steady for work, and she's actually a very smart woman, very skilled, mm-hmm. uh, very hardworking woman but she was having a hard time and that negativity she was experiencing that she was also exuding at that time her friends kind of just say well we can't deal with this anymore but i felt like it's kind of unfair for people who are in a better situation to just say and you see again going back to the surface idea mm-hmm. of people who are well-intentioned they want to help but they're not really there for the long haul
1: yeah yeah
0: and somehow I don't know why I don't think well this woman is quite a bit older so she's not a millennial so I don't feel like it's generational so much as I don't know what it is but this idea that okay we want to help but we don't really want to stick with you or maybe people's expectation of how long bad things can last will Mm -hmm. last maybe that's why yeah
1: they're just like ah we're done yeah that's it no, oh yeah there's a plethora of reasons for why people are fair weather friends yeah. they're only friends when it's nice out and when they're yeah. happy and exuding this energy that you eat off of right. personally I think a lot of the time the people who decide to leave they're around a friend that's going through a hard time and they're like Ugh. Are you are you done being sad yet? No. Okay. Well, bye. They don't know how to sit with their own darkness, so there's no right. way that they can sit with somebody else's. Yeah, and also
0: you kind of wonder how precarious their life is.
1: Yeah, exactly. That. Like when we were talking about resiliency. Yeah, yeah, if they can't sit with their own darkness and hard times, they try to avoid that. It's hard for them to. To sit with anybody else's or to be right, there for right, anybody else right.
0: and if they don't have really much depth in terms of resourcefulness yes. and resilience like, yes they just feel like well actually i'm teetering i gotta get out of here i can't take on your problems because i have so many problems but it was never explained to me why they did that i just thought because she bought into that concept because mm-hmm. she was telling me this why i was going through
1: a very hard time i was just like god what crap friends you have but i didn't say right, that to her yeah. <laughs> Well, so many people fall under that delusion that, again, oh, I am not feeling happy, I'm not showing up as my best self, there's things going on that it's hard for me to handle. I don't deserve to have friends. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that I will suddenly be worthy of friends once I get my shit together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, um, Well, why do you have friends, right? Yeah. (laughs) And I think that there's always a time and place for fair weather friends. You Mm -hmm. can't be close and intimate with every single person that you interact with. But you got to have that core group of people that will stay in inclement weather, Mm -hmm. you know, no matter how long the dry spell is, no matter how long and harsh it may be. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it's all about people understanding boundaries as well. I think people don't know how to set boundaries in relationships and friendships in in any type of Mm -hmm. relationship with a person. It's Mm -hmm. difficult because if you are in a bad mood, Mm -hmm. it's just bubbling under the surface, and then you go visit your friend who is openly in a bad mood, Mm -hmm. you have to be able to say, hey, look, you are in a negative place, You're, you're in a bad place. And I understand that you need me, but like I am not full right now. Right. I cannot contribute my best self to you.
0: Right. Right now,
1: still, so I love you. I want to support you, but just now is not the time.
0: Right. Right. And I think a lot of people don't understand that you could actually say that and still be a good friend. And, yeah. Because people take it personally. Or then people
1: just pull away completely.
0: Yeah, well, and also for the people who are saying that, who are saying, okay, I'm not in a position where I could be of hope to you. Mm-hmm. A lot of the time they feel like that's something that they cannot say.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I and mean, it's, it's hard because, like I said, setting boundaries is... Yeah difficult it's almost more difficult than being the one who needs to follow those boundaries <laughs>
0: yeah yeah because I've had the experience where somebody would said here are my availabilities I'm going to have this time to talk with you about this problem you're experiencing and then when it came time to do that they actually double booked or they scheduled something else or they forgot Mm-hmm. Which is so much more painful than if they just said, you know what, I'm actually busy at this time. Or they knew their own schedule better. Because yeah. I'm not the one who's forcing them to talk to me at that moment. I'm like, can we schedule something where you have time? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, you told me this is the time. And then you double
1: book, So that's yeah. not really... Yeah, you don't want to feel blown off. Yeah, Because at exactly. least if you were to address it in the beginning, then you're validating, like, hey, this relationship, your feelings are important to me. Right. I just, I have other things going on.
0: Right, mm-hmm. right. Which you is know. totally fair. And I said, I need a friend who can be there for me, who Mm. will let me know. Again, this boundary thing Mm -hmm. stay clearly. And then they took it as something else. So that's what I was saying. You can only control what you put out in the world, Mm -hmm. how other people would take it. (laughs) Sometimes you're like, "Uh, that's not what I said at all, but okay.
1: Interesting. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. You kind Mm. of just have to, again, let them be. Yeah. Let them be them. And if yeah. that's the way that they want to choose to interpret your actions, then all right. Yeah, exactly.
0: And then you just have to decide, because we all have a certain bandwidth, and uh, we can't really go beyond that point. So we mm-hmm. have to say, well, okay, with the capacity that I have, do I want to take on this person, or yeah. do I just want to leave them? Yeah, I'm going to put my energy
1: onto somebody else. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's the biggest thing is that you got to look out for yourself Mm-mm. first before you can be of any service to anybody else. And I think that that's a difficult concept for people to to really live by and to understand.
0: Because it
1: sounds very selfish at first. And some people can Mm -hmm. take it very selfishly. Mm -hmm. But if you are doing it out of a place of compassion rather than animosity or or spitefulness, then it changes.
0: Well, this is the thing, right? If you don't know how to be compassionate to yourself, how can you be compassionate to other people? Exactly. So it's it's a hard balance because I find a lot of people, and also stories of people who are very compassionate towards other people, but are very selfish with themselves Mm -hmm. and very selfish with their immediate loved ones. Mm -hmm. I think it was this guy in Indian who who was incredibly selfless, but his family was not even being properly nourished. And I just thought it's unfair. And also because he wasn't just choosing it for himself, but also his wife and daughter i believe Mm. and i just thought well they're also people (laughs) so yeah that's odd (laughs) you know you you can choose for yourself to live this life but you can't really choose to deprive others just because Mm. they love you or they happen to be born into your family yeah you can't take people for granted (laughs) yeah exactly so it was a really interesting dichotomy to see this to see all the accolades that he was getting for being such a Wonderful person to other people, but to his immediate family. He was pretty horrendous. He read this a few years back because he had passed away. But you often find that, though. Very well-known, compassionate people who are not as compassionate especially with their immediate family or mm-hmm. immediate circle or even themselves right? yeah but it's hard to strike a balance as you said and i think the world also has this weird expectation it's like if you do this for a living you're not supposed to have a certain living standards mm-hmm. for instance the for-profit world and the non-profit world the expectations are totally different like the for-profit world people are fine with CEOs taking so many times the salary of employees yeah it's just grown exponentially of, like a cultural norm yeah, yeah yeah it's kind of insane even though obviously CEOs do not work by themselves to achieve the in- extraordinary successes at some large companies do. We all stand on the shoulders of both giants and also just everyday people mm. in order to get to the successes that they do. And then in the nonprofit world, the expectation is you're not allowed to have a certain standard of living. You're not, I mean, I'm not talking about getting penthouses, things like that. I'm not talking about that level at all. I'm talking about having a living wage because, mm-hmm. especially in the nonprofit world, the lower run employees tend to have very low wages, mm-hmm. to the point where the nonprofit world tends to be pulling in their employees, only people from certain economic situations, mm-hmm. if they have family, that allows them to be able to afford to live on such low wages, which is problematic itself because then there's a thing of representation because mm-hmm. they're not getting their workers from the populations that they're claiming to help, so they're not getting that perspective. Mm -hmm. so it's very interesting how we as a society view or would allow nonprofit workers versus for-profit workers and it goes back to this how do you set boundaries how do you help yourself as well as help others have compassion for yourself as well as others yeah yeah that's
1: a good comparison (laughs) it's not parallel i should say yeah,
0: yeah it's not always easy to figure out what it is and we certainly don't take the time to really think about it
1: mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's a whole nother <laughs> whole nother conversation <laughs> yeah yeah
0: i feel like it probably should be a required coursework for college or something or high school honestly it should. yeah mm-hmm. yeah anyway so i have never seen you read anywhere before since you do
1: write it seems like a good amount i do where <laughs> do you read I don't. <laughs> you um, don't? Um. The open mic that you witnessed a mm-hmm. couple weeks ago, that was the first and only time I've ever performed. Wow. Yeah. I went out to support TJ in his last show, and mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess I just had a, a moment of confidence, and I was just like, how long is the list? Because I was talking to him before, right, right. before it started, and he was writing down the names, and he's like, it's pretty long, and I was yeah. like, oh, okay, well, you know. Maybe next time. And he looked at me and he was like, are you going to read something? And I was like, yeah, but you know, I don't want to stay the entire time. And I'll, I'll let other people go. And then before I was even done, Talking about my excuses, he put me pretty high up the list, and he's like, oh, no worries, you'll just have to sweat it out for like 20 minutes or so. I mean, it ended up being an hour, but (laughs) but sitting in the audience and listening to other people be vulnerable and share their art in whatever form it came in made me feel comfortable and made me feel inclusive and like i had a space there yeah,
0: yeah yeah i find that's true with a lot of the open mics and around the mm-hmm. valley they tend to be very welcoming accepting yeah there are safe spaces for whatever you want to read. so yeah. you should definitely no. come out more often and not I would just love do to. i thing, enjoyed myself yeah good 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 yeah. I myself
1: but- I guess it was getting over that hump of, what is that, like imposter syndrome, where yeah, I was um, like, oh, these people actually know what they're doing, I'm just the athletic one over here that just kind of tries her hand at poetry every once in a while, like I'm not worthy to <laughs> run the mic. Yeah, so it's kind it's of like what you it. said as yeah. well.
0: When I was asking you, how did you get into poetry, and you said you don't consider yourself a poet or yeah. like an artist, of, like, yeah. kind. <laughs> yeah. but you also say that... You know, whenever you have strong emotions, they tend to come out in very creative ways. So That is true,
1: yeah. I guess I don't relate to the title of a, a poet or an artist in that way because it's something that I'm still learning to embrace about myself and wanting to cultivate. Mm-hmm. Wanting people to know that part of me. Because mm-hmm. um, identity is like a huge thing as well, and mm-hmm. I've never been known as the creative one. I've never been known as a writer or a poet or painter an artist, anything like that. So right. it's kind of breaking away and expanding from the small box that I've always placed myself in and that people have always known me as. So right. that's right. that's scary. It's unknown territory yeah Um, but like i said infuse provided a very safe space for me to feel comfortable and be like okay you know what i just wrote this down nobody had read it before There was no proofreading or anything it was just it came straight out of my head and i was like well if they don't like it or if they don't get it then they'll clap anyway and i'm (laughs) I'm none the wiser (laughs) yeah yeah
0: i think that's the way to go about it because really a lot of art is sort of in the eye of the beholder unless you're being strict with form things like that there are certain Mm -hmm. measurements obviously uh and there are writing groups that you can join if you wanted to improve your writing or anything like that but i've found well since before doing the podcast and since doing the podcast especially that poets come in all shapes and sizes and You don't necessarily have to say you're a poet,
1: you know, (laughs) in that kind of way. I suppose I just don't want to take that title away from people that actually are and identify as poets and artists and things like that. But you're right, you know, if you have a message that you want to get out, in the form of poetry, then it's a poem and yeah. you you are a poet in that instance. And if you feel like sharing it, and I just keep listening to the podcast because they <laughs> announce the events yes. throughout the valley. And there's plenty of them.
0: Yeah, there are mm-hmm. so many practically every week. I'm actually surprised that some weeks it's not every day. It's more often than not there's at least one event every day of the week. That's mm-hmm. poetry related. Mm-hmm. It might not always be an open mic, but there are plenty of open mics all over the valley that you can go to that, you know, if you just felt like, okay, I really I really need to say this out loud in front of people, mm-hmm. you can find something. Yeah.
1: And, it, you know, if, if whatever you're wanting to say holds a, a significant message to you, then chances are it's going to be significant to somebody else. Yeah, yeah, somebody so, will resonate with it. Yeah, 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 and you can look at it from that perspective too. Like, yeah. do I want to keep this to myself, or do I want to contribute to the world in yeah. any way that I can? So yeah. I, guess I I looked at it that way as well. You yeah, know?
0: exactly, and this if you didn't me. yours, I want to share mine. Which, yeah, there you, know, you go. It's and we phenomenal. can see that we have very,
1: very similar experiences. Yeah, yeah. Well. And
0: it's also California, by the way. I was gonna I say, yeah, you also yeah. had
1: like weather and nature yeah. symbols in there that was similar to mine, so. Yeah, and it it's specifically <laughs> California, because yeah. yeah. both of us, the yeah. person is from
0: California. Yeah. California is so. a very popular spot. It is, <laughs> it is. And I'm sure. There are plenty of Californians who are very good friends who are willing to dig deep into their emotions. Sure. We just happened to share something about two California-related people who (laughs) are more
1: conflict-avoidant. Yeah, they're comfortable staying in a very narrow place. Yeah. Which, you know, it's fine. If that's where they want to stay, then, you know, I'm not here to judge or anything or tell them that they're wrong. It's just that's where they're at in life. And I... It I just know from them. my perspective yeah. and my experience, staying in that place actually brings you more suffering in the end. Mm-hmm. So,
0: yeah, I mean, there's so a lot too. of
1: expectations
0: to meet. Yeah,
1: it's yeah. a very hard place to live. You're basically operating off of perfectionism mm-hmm. because you want to keep that paradise facade and that delusion. Mm. And it's just not possible. It's not sustainable. Yeah, But hey, that's the sort of life they want. That's their life and their journey. Yeah, and that's just where they are in their journey. If this had taken place five or six years ago, I would not be saying any of the things that I'm (laughs) saying now. I was definitely in that place where I was very ashamed of my struggles. I was very ashamed of my past and my family and where I came from and everything like that and I hid behind a false persona of like perfectionism, egotism, all of these things to hide my insecurities but the ironic thing is that it just showcased them to people who were aware mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. and I see that a lot in my students, the kids that act out or the kids that have this certain swagger about them, mm-hmm. like oh, oh honey you, <laughs> <laughs> you think that you are confident and, and self-assured and some of them are, mm-hmm. definitely, but there's a big difference difference between confidence and narcissism (laughs) yeah yeah and And that took me a long time to be able to figure out the difference between the two
0: yeah yeah there's a fine line and Mm. it takes
1: a while to be able to tell
0: yeah some people are not
1: actually confident but they're hiding Oh, yeah. They're right. just trying to project their yeah. or showcase all of their good qualities so that nobody can accept their flaws because they can't accept it themselves. Right, right. Yeah. That's, yeah. <laughs> yeah everybody I was has, there. Yeah. And I'm there in certain aspects. I feel like everybody will always be there in certain. Yeah, certain levels. But, you know, it's just, again, a matter of are you willing to look at yourself and sit with yourself and accept and forgive and be able to move forward and expand. Mm -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. For the listeners who like your poetry, how do they follow you? Do you have social media?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I have Instagram and and Facebook and stuff, but I don't really post anything that makes it look like I I write... (laughs) (laughs) poetry although you know i was thinking the other day that maybe that's something i could do i was just trying to debate with myself that was super basic and cliche of myself it's like oh i have a picture of myself in hawaii looking off into the sunset i'll Caption this with like one of my poems. I'm like, oh, that is <laughs> you so. That. You could do I that. could do I mean, that. If but you want to, <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> it's your choice. Did you want to share your Instagram handle? Do you want to yeah, find it? Yeah, yeah, or... sure.
1: It's um, at msmith under what is that underscore Fitbit. Yeah. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Okay, okay. Cool. That's interesting. <laughs> great. Great. Yes. Yeah, so... I'd love to be able to connect with other people that found this talk helpful yeah so then,
0: definitely people should get in touch that's one of the reasons i also ask and also for people who just really enjoy your poem and want to know more about your poetry even if you don't post often they could just prod
1: you they be like hey <laughs> okay Aaliyah, what's up yeah <laughs> poems. come on <laughs> no, and I love that you provided this platform for artists and non-artists alike, like me, to be able oh, to get it. our <laughs> word out there. I think that's, that's amazing that you created this. You are this an artist. Connection. Yeah, yeah. There's a
0: lot of people, so many people from different backgrounds. You're like the fourth now from a military family mm-hmm. that I've interviewed who's into poetry. And people from all kinds of different backgrounds, socioeconomic, professional backgrounds, mm-hmm. have been on podcasts And they will continue to be featured on the podcast. I'm interested in people's poems and the stories Mm -hmm. behind them. I'm not one of those people who said, well, okay, where's your MFA before you can get Mm -hmm. on the show? That's not the requirement. In fact, one of the reasons for the show is to show the young people in the world that poetry is a viable communications vehicle. You should use it to express yourself. Um, Some might find it easier than others, Mm -hmm. so it's good to have that option.
1: I would love to be able to look back at the other people that you referenced who have military backgrounds. I would love to be able to hear their experiences, just because I'm afraid on surface level people would think whenever I talk about having a military background or military-based family that... It's a negative experience or that I'm anti-military, and that's not the case at all. I mean, Mm -hmm. I was for a while because Mm -hmm. I just didn't know how to articulate and understand my experiences with that. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think there is something to be said about police, military backgrounds, or law enforcement in general. It's a very specific lifestyle, and it can be very hardening, um, Mm -hmm. and it shapes your view on people because I think that they're very unique experiences. For example, my mom, she's a police dispatcher for the majority of my life. I think she's coming up on her 20th year Mm -hmm. as a police dispatcher or working for the police department. A police dispatcher is the person on the other line when you call 911. Right, And so they're working a lot, and my mom worked a lot. And all her experiences were people at their worst where they're, they have just gotten into an accident or somebody is dying or somebody is already dead, you know, there's a tragedy going on. There's something, you know, people are at their worst. Yeah. And 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 most vulnerable as well. Exactly. And that's just the exposure that my mom had for 20 years. So that Mm -hmm. kind of colors your view on people. And that's all you're exposed to. And so it inevitably came home, and I spent a lot of time there as well in my childhood at the police station. Mm -hmm. She was a single mom, and so after school I would go and Mm -hmm. witness all of that firsthand of people just... Mm-hmm. experiencing tragedies being terrible and just like the the awful sides of humanity and mm-hmm. if that's what you're exposed to all the time it's inevitable it's going to color the way that you view yourself and view other people and the way you interact and you have to work hard to make sure that you don't become a fearful person or a spiteful yeah. hateful person mm-hmm.
0: yeah that's it's very difficult especially like you said being immersed in that all the time because mm-hmm. you know it really
1: skews your perception of what the world can be exactly that's one of the reasons why I chose to leave because that was the first 18 years of my life just Mm -hmm. life is unfair people suck you can't trust them somebody's always out to get you death is inevitable it's just all of the the, (laughs) well that is true but that's not really a message you want to keep like exposing your five six seven year old to all the time that just life is bleak and unfair and people are terrible and and you can't trust them yeah
0: Well, thank you very much for your time and for talking with me about our poems, I really appreciate that. Yeah,
1: thank you. Again, thank you for allowing me to be on here, and I I really had a good time. I appreciate that. Good, good. I'm glad.
0: If my interview with Malia sounded like it ended abruptly, that's because the venue where we were at began to close down. Fear not, though, because we did continue our conversation offline. And that concludes the Sunday, August 4th episode of Poets and Muses. As always, you can follow us on our website at poetsandmuses.com or on our social media via SoundCloud, Instagram, or Twitter under Poets and Muses. You can also subscribe to our weekly newsletter either at the bottom of our poetsandmuses.com website or at the upper right-hand side of the Poets and Muses SoundCloud page. I'm your host, Imogen A-Rate. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful week, and I look forward to bringing you another episode next Sunday.